you're hired and fired for winning and losing. But uh, life is about relationships and impact and how you deal with the uh, adversity and how you relate to one another. And, uh, and that's what I've really, really enjoyed about the type of job that I had. Welcome to Ballers with Babies. I'm Mark Willard. Today we know so much about what athletes and sports personalities do, but not so much about who they are, what makes them tick. What's life like the moment the stadiums and TV cameras go dark? Most go home to their families. We want to know what that after hours experience is like. Ballers with Babies explores their upbringing, their home life, how it's affected by their high profile job, and how that high profile job is affected by the home life. On Ballers with Babies, we talk to some of the most interesting names in sports and find out how they're even more interesting than we realized. And don't worry, diehard fan, we'll get to the important sports questions as well. This is your favorite people like you've never heard them before. I hope you enjoy. All right, Ballers with Babies with the longtime college basketball coach, San Diego State, Michigan, Steve Fisher, uh, of course. But now, you know, you've described yourself as I don't know how would you describe it? Professional errand runner. You're 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 driving family members around, doing things around the house. How is the transition going? As you kind of lessen the workload in the college basketball world and do more on the on the personal end. You remember the movie Driving Miss Daisy? Well, that's me. I'm, <laughs> I'm not driving. The, I'm not driving the president. I'm driving the, the queen. I go everywhere, everywhere she wants to go, as she wants to go. I'm the chauffeur, so. Um, and I'm enjoying life. Uh, I said that somewhat tongue in cheek. I still work, <laughs> as you know, right. go in the office every day and, uh, pick Mark up. And, uh, so life is good. And I have adjusted, uh, quite nicely. I think anybody that's gone through my phase of life, if they could, could so seamlessly move forward, it would be good. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you must use the word uh, air quotes when when you talk about the word retire. It's it's amazing uh, how busy you've stayed, even though you retired, right? Correct. <laughs> and I try not to use that word. That, that that's synonymous for, for many people with slash old. And I don't want to 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 be like that. I don't want. I don't feel that way. I sometimes look that way when I see myself in the mirror, but. Uh, I am uh, moving to my next phase of life is what I, how I phrase it. And uh, that's what I want to do. I've got a lot, a lot of, a lot of life to live and I want to enjoy it and, uh, and stay productive. I love it. Stay young coach. All right. Tell us about the, uh, the Fisher family, the names and ages of, of your sons and, and everybody that you're interacting with on a daily basis. Well, everybody knows Angie. She uh, and I have been together since uh, been married since 1974, and every decision we've made uh, from that point forward has been a, a, a community decision. And once once the two boys came, it all revolved around family. Mark is our oldest; he'll be 40 in November, and Jay is our youngest. Uh, he is uh, 32. And I'm not that 30, great. 32, yeah. 32. Okay. I, I'm not that great at math, but 1974, my gosh, what what is it? 44 years now? How how have you guys pulled that off? That that's amazing. 
Well, we have uh, made it a team. And if you're part of a team, you uh, you don't do everything just for you. You do things that you know are most important uh, for each other. And obviously, we've we've not agreed on every single item that we've, uh, we've had to deal with. But for the most part, we've we've worked well together and just stayed together for 44 years. But we've enjoyed one another's company. We view ourselves as best friends and uh, have a relationship that uh, is very open and uh, we're we're proud of one another. Uh, Angie's been very, very important to me in so many ways. She's been instrumental in in my career. Uh, She would tell you that when I was hired at Michigan, she was the reason I was hired. Or maybe she wouldn't tell you, but Bill Frieder's <laughs> wife, Ann Frieder, would say she hired Angie Fisher, and then I tagged along as Bill Frieder's assistant. So we we we've had a lot to do with uh, with what's happened in our lives uh, because of how we kind of interact together. By the way, when you think of your family, I wonder how far does that extend? And I'll give you, you know, a specific example I'm thinking of. I used to do some shows uh, with Jalen Rose, uh, for example, and I know how he talks about you, and it is in glowing terms. I'm sure you know that. Um, are, are any of these guys uh, who've played for you like sons to you in any way? I believe you view that in so many, so many ways with with everybody that you've touched uh, way way back uh, when I was the youngest in the room I viewed myself as a big brother and now I view myself as you say uh, as a as a person that they can rely on whether you would term that a father figure or, uh, but someone that that they grow to trust respect and feel comfortable in uh, in talking to, sharing thoughts with, asking important questions on. So, and it hasn't just been Mark, the, the stars, you mentioned Jalen, and Jalen is one of my all-time, all-time favorites for so many reasons. But I hear from, continue to communicate with the non-stars, the, the high school players that I coached, the managers over the years that have become very successful and continue to be involved in our lives with one another. So it's been a, it's been a a journey that I think that's so much a important piece to it that uh, you treasure, you treasure those types of relationships. It's you, you're hired and fired for winning and losing, but uh, life is about, relationships and impact and how you deal with the adversity and how you relate to one another. And, uh, and that's what I've really, really enjoyed about the, the type of job that I had. Speaking of that bond uh, with all of those guys, the ones we know and the ones we don't, you know, how, how and when does it get created? When you, when you would go into a home and, and talk to players and talk to their parents, what, in your opinion, is the key to building that relationship? 
Well, initially, uh, you know, you have to uh, you have to one be consistent, two be honest, and be unafraid to tell them what they don't particularly want to hear. And when you do that, you you talk about a mom and a dad that you don't agree with everything your mom and dad tells you, but you know deep down that they love you more than anyone and they're telling you what they think is best for you. So you try to, you try to be honest. Uh, and what you do is you build a trust. And we, we talk about that with our teams when we get them on campus and when we work with them day to day, it's about trust. It's about respect. And that doesn't come automatically just because you're the head coach, just because you're the father that's earned over time, both ways. It's a two-way street, we say. I earn your respect, you earn mine. I earn your trust and vice versa. So you, you build that relationship that way. And uh, recruiting is uh, the lifeblood of any program. And it, it, you you also have to find out who, the, who pushes the button, who makes the decision uh, if you're going to wind up getting the player there are some people that are more important than others to help, you know, seal the deal for you. Right, right. And, and how, how did you specifically do this with the Fab Five? You know, you get that Michigan job, you win the title. It was only two years later that all of a sudden, uh, here come these five guys. How how did that all come together at one time like that? Well, it's a, it's a lot of hard work, a great deal of good fortune. And then the same, the same pattern, uh, one domino falls and, and that helps you with the next one. Just like winning begets winning. When you win, it, it, you're more attractive to other people. When you become someone that everybody talks about, then, then you got a stage to a platform from which to speak. And with references to the Fab Five, Joan Howard was, our first recruit, the first to tell us that he was coming. Juwan told us in the summer before his senior year that he was going to come. But he didn't want to announce it. His high school coach, I think, preferred him to go somewhere other than with us. So he wanted to wait. But Juwan, that whole summer, worked on recruiting the rest of them. And we had Juwan. Jimmy King and Ray Jackson, all three visit the first uh, weekend that we brought recruits in. And Juwan set the tone. Juwan came, then Ray Jackson committed. Jimmy was the third to commit. And the, the two locals, Chris Weber and Jalen Rose, made it harder. <laughs> we thought we, we always thought we were going to be in the mix for them. They were 30 minutes away. Uh, we'd known them since they were in the eighth grade. And uh, both of them waited till the season ended. They both won state championships in different classes. Uh, and again, I think Jawan was a linchpin for all of it. Jalen committed uh, right after in the locker room after they won the state championship. Chris waited and, and had what today would have been uh, mild. He had a, quote, press conference where he announced that he was coming to Michigan. Uh, 
And there we go. We were off and running. Yeah, you know, what you just described actually sounds like the collegiate version of something that, I don't know, for some NBA fans, seems to be the source of some frustration right now in the building of these super teams. Guys are are talking and looking to play with one another in a certain spot. That's been going on in college for much longer than the NBA, right? You know what? This was one of those situations, it seems, where these guys wanted to play together, and 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 Juwan took the lead there. He did, and I think you have to be unafraid too, Mark. You have to be confident in your in your own abilities. At our at the high, at the college level, when you're recruiting young high school players, they're all stars in their own right. Uh, you you add points and rebounds, and they'd be off the charts. You'd be averaging 200 points a game with the guys you bring in with those five guys. So you have to say. I believe in myself. I believe in what the coaches are telling me that the, that I'm good enough to go in and and play because everybody wants to play. It's nice to be on a really good team, but you want to be on the floor. And uh, people told Chris when we signed Joan early, "Don't go there. You're the same player. The two of you can't coexist on the floor at the same time." Mm. They told Joan before we signed him, "Don't go there." They're going to take the local. They're, they're going to get Weber. And they, the politics will be the local player has to play. You're going to be odd man out. You won't play. Chris will be the star. You won't play. So you have to deal with all of that. Uh, and if you're a player, you have to have strong feelings about your own game. And, and our guys did. They believed in themselves. They trusted one another. And most importantly, they turned out to be super people who cared more about winning than they did personal recognition and glory. And uh, we also talk about when the team wins, everybody wins. When you have success, everybody revels in it. And that that happens everywhere. At every, in any walk of life, in any industry, if you have success, everybody benefits. And it happened with us. I love listening to you talk about it. Can I thank you for something, by the way, while this was all going on? Uh, I was a high school basketball player in the Bay Area in California. My sophomore year, we were wearing tight, short, orange shorts. Uh, my junior year, we've got long, baggy shorts that go to our knees. And uh, we, of course, this was this was quite a moment for all of us. And, and it seems like everybody credits Jalen, but I always think, hey, there, there was a coach there that, that needed to allow – uh, that that vibe to come out and allow all that to happen. So one, thank you for that. And two, why why did you allow it? Was there any hesitation? How did it happen? I'm someone that has never tried to do something to gain attention or get the spotlight, and uh, it just evolved. It happened. You forgot about the black socks that I'm sure you wore your senior year. Also. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but when, the, when, when we started practice in the fall of their freshman year, Juwan went to coach, went to Brian Dutcher and, and said, Dutch, he said, Can, the shorts are too short. He said, Can, you know, I'm from Chicago. Michael Jordan pressed the issue a little bit in the NBA and got longer shorts. So, and Dutch came to me, hey, Juwan's asking, can they wear longer shorts? And I said, well, how much longer? 
And he held up his fingers that looked to be about a half inch apart. I said, yeah, I don't care. I said, that, that, that's the, sh- the Sharks won't help us win. That, we want them to feel happy and know that we, we listen. So all of a sudden we got the Sharks. And to be honest with you, Mark, at that stage, if you go back and look at Arkansas with Nolan Richardson and look at the kids on that team prior to the Fab Five, their shorts were longer than ours. But because th- that group of guys got so much attention, right? I didn't call them the Fab Five. Mitch Album wrote a book, made a lot of money, uh, labeled it the Fab Five. And the media did, uh, called them that. I called them by their, their first and last names. <laughs> and at times I was resentful when they referred to them as the Fab Five. But the, the shorts started that way. Um, the uh, the Sox happened after their freshman year, first game of their sophomore year. We're playing Houston. We're playing uh, in Houston. Uh, we're playing Houston in Houston. And uh, they went out. Ray Jackson saw Sox in a store. Oh, those are sweet, he said. So they went out and got black socks. And, and then Nike made a fortune off of selling black socks after our kids wore them. Right. Um, amazing stuff. You know, um, Coach, I know there's still uh, some tension today between Jalen and Chris because uh, Chris has been unwilling to speak on things that led to you all having to answer, you know, a lot of questions and go through some things. I, how does it make you feel that Chris and Jalen aren't as tight as they used to be? It, it's sad. I'm sad. I wish that I could uh... – broker a truce and get the two of them in a room together. And I think eventually that will happen. Uh, they've been friends. Uh, they grew up together. They grew up playing uh, bitty ball together, then uh, CYO ball, then AAU ball, then college ball, then moved to the pros. They were, they were best friends. And I feel badly that, uh, that, that fracture is there. Uh, I do. I'm always the glass is half filled. So I do feel that uh, it will happen, that that relationship will be repaired, restored and back to the way it was. And to be honest, back to the way it, it should be. That's what I'm hopeful for. Continuing with Steve Fisher on ballers with babies uh, coach, this was in your blood, wasn't it? You know, I, I read that they wrote in your high school yearbook, uh, quote, he doesn't like to get up in the morning, but plans to be a teacher or a coach. But what, what did your friends see in an 18-year-old Steve Fisher that made them know that already? I said plans to be teacher slash coach. Because if you're, if you're a coach, you're a teacher. You know, they go synonymous with one another, yeah. coaching and teaching. And uh, my, it goes way back. My dad was my first coach. He coached our little Catholic grade school team. He coached our little league baseball team. That's all he wanted to do. He, everything but student teach and World War II came. A wife, four kids, a mortgage in a house with a house. Uh, and he had a job that he never said it, but he had a job that he didn't. He was a paycheck. All he wanted to do was come out and do what I had the privilege to do. So I knew that 
it was something that I wanted to do because of my dad, the way he presented, uh, he made it fun. It wasn't work. You know, I taught gym class and kids referred to, to third hour dodgeball as force fun. It wasn't force fun. It was, it, it was fun. It was legitimate fun. My dad and my junior high coach, Mike Sortle, were the two that planted the seed that it's not work. It's fun. And this is something that I want to do. And I knew that from the time I was 14 years old, that that's what I was going to do. I didn't know where, what level, but I, I, I planned to be a teacher and a coach. And that's what I became. You mentioned your two sons. Uh, one of them has been coaching with you for a long time. Your son, Mark, your oldest. First off, what kind of an experience has it been to have him with you uh, professionally as well as personally, day in and day out? Mark was born in the, in November of 79, which, uh, 78, November of 78, which was our last year at Rich East High School. And he went to his first game when he was just weeks old. And he been there ever since <laughs> he tagging along when he was a little guy and when he was old enough to walk he was in the gym running around getting in everybody's way and uh, he became the proverbial gym rat to where it was the same thing for him he ran around till his face got beat red and uh that's you know he grew up in an environment where he saw what it was like and he he enjoyed it and he initially wanted to play for me. Some are, are, he had just started his freshman year at Michigan, and I got fired. So he never got that opportunity. But what it did is it opened another door. He went back to his local high school. They made him a volunteer coach. And he worked with uh, his high school coach on AAU ball. So in essence, he was coaching uh, rather than playing from the time he was a freshman in college. And that's what he wanted. And to me, it was a natural that when we came to San Diego State that when he finished, I was going to find a way to help him get entry into to what he wanted to do. And we brought him into the low-level entry position, and uh, he grew from that from that spot. And it's like any relationship. If you have an opportunity to to, to share an office with your son and you do know, work in the same profession. It's a unique, special, honored relationship and, and the opportunity to do it. I'm not the first to have it happen. You see a lot of uh, sons or daughters that if their dad's a lawyer, they do the same thing. If he's, a, if he's a dentist, the same thing. And coach, same thing. So, But it's a very, very special relationship. Um you know, he remains actively a part of the San Diego State program. You guys have known for, what, about seven, eight years now that he has ALS, and that, that was made public maybe about five years or uh, so, uh, five years ago or so. What has that experience been like for, for him and, and for all of you as a family? In, uh, in the early fall of 2010, Mark knew that, he something was not quite right. He came to me and said, I just don't, you know, they, the younger guys played every day. He said, I, I doesn't feel right. I can't shoot the ball like I did. So 
so then he just got obsessed. He would run and work out all the harder, and and it didn't change. And ultimately, in March of of 2011, ironically, after the, the end of our the greatest season that we had at San Diego State, the 34 and three team, we were at the Final Four. Angie and I, uh, and I was the fortunate one to to be the recipient of a lot of awards that year. And we found out that uh, it was official that what we were fearful for and of, he had ALS. And from that point forward, uh, he, we have dealt with it uh, head on. And his first comment was, I don't want pity, I want support. And uh, and he's had that from our family. He's had that. Uh, Mark wanted to be viewed no differently than the day before when he was Mark Fisher, the son, the assistant basketball coach. And uh, that's how we've dealt with it. Uh, people said, well, you know, I've set a good example for, for Mark. And I said, no, that's not true. I said, I have followed his lead. I haven't led him down any path. I've followed his lead. And, uh, and we've dealt with it that way. He, uh, he was dating a girl who is now his wife when he found out. And she's been a a phenomenal blessing. They knew Mark had ALS Hmm. and they got married that, you know, they pushed the wedding date up. They got married in September of 2011 and have been together. And she's been a phenomenal inspiration piece, uh, important person in our lives also uh, and then all of a sudden there's little Max Fisher our grandson who's four and a half uh, uh, December the 14th uh, he was born he'd be five this December and uh, he's been a joy for all of us and been an added inspiration for, for Mark uh, so he's still working uh, in a wheelchair but still working uh, I go over every day, help him uh, get ready to go, and uh, we're off at the office. And he's a valuable, viable part of San Diego State staff. Uh, was when I was there when he had ALS. Continues to be now with Brian Dusher and his staff as he's uh, con- continuing to live life. And you know, Mark, uh, life is is you know how you deal with uh, what's there. Uh, you can you can plan and you can chart, you can do things to, to help your, you uh, in your life, but sometimes things happen, and then now what are you going to do? Well, you live life, and that's what Mark's doing, and he's doing it to the fullest. Fourth uh, uh, of July, they went out to a big uh, celebration with uh, one of the other coaches and their families, and it was Mark Fisher and laughed and had fun with, uh, with his friends and family. Uh, it's amazing stuff. Uh, fantastic to, uh, to hear the way you guys have handled all of that. Coach, I, I also wonder this, you know, um, the, how were the Michigan and San Diego State experiences for, for all of you, for the whole family, different? You know, Michigan was, was flashy and newsworthy. San Diego State has been more you know, a, a fixer-upper when you got there. You did it very well. It was lasting, and you guys have made your life there. 
How do you differentiate the two experiences? Well, every experience is different. Uh, you know, I was a, I was a longtime high school coach. I was an 11-year high school coach in the south suburbs of Chicago. Could have been very happy never to have left that high school job. I've always been one that everywhere I've been, I found all the good things in 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 my profession, and uh, and I look forward to going to the office and going. To, I don't call it work. Going to what I did to get a paycheck. And uh, when we went to Michigan, uh, we were so excited. But I was at Western Michigan before that, hired by the same person, Les Whitkey, who he and his wife Judy are still very close friends of Angie and ours and our family now. Uh, we spent three great years at Western Michigan, and then all of a sudden we're at Michigan. I'm eight years the assistant coach. Bizarre circumstances lead me to become the interim coach. We won the national championship, <laughs> and um, I become the center of attention. And we were eight or nine years head coach at, at Michigan and got very, very uh, much uh, a national scene fired. And uh, you deal with you deal with what happens, and so we. But we had a great, great time everywhere we were, and Michigan included. Uh, didn't end the way we wanted it to, right. but, but the immense disappointment. What we thought was the worst thing that could happen to you professionally turned out to be the best because it it brought us here. It brought us to San Diego and a community in San Diego State, uh, a university that with open arms, welcomed us. And we've now, we were 18 years, the head coach, and we will now begin our 20th year at San Diego State and in this beautiful community where we now have the privilege to live. Never dreamed that we would leave the Midwest. And now we view ourselves as, as Californians that love where we are. And so both experiences were, were phenomenal. Uh, and I feel very, very positive and fortunate to have had both of them. You know, uh, that San Diego State experience uh, brought to you a guy by the name of uh, Kawhi Leonard. And, and earlier in this conversation, you mentioned, um, you know, feeling, especially at this stage in your career, like uh, maybe you are kind of a father figure to some of these guys. Is is the father figure in you perked up a little bit right now because of Kawhi, what he's going through what people are saying about him, what emotions have been stirred in you through this process? Hi, a lot of people have called and wanted me to be on their shows. And uh, I knew full well that they wanted to, to talk about Kawhi. And so I have uh, talked about the Kawhi Leonard that I, that I know. I first met him when he was a sophomore in high school and have grown in my respect for him and love for him as a person. And obviously he's become one of the premier players in the world. Uh, and when I get on shows, I talk about uh, the Kawhi that I know, the ultimate teammate, the hardest worker of any player I've ever had the privilege to coach, uh, consumed with uh, wanting to get better obsessed with winning and a tremendous teammate. 
and that's what he is. Uh, he went through a, his career until now where nothing was uh, said other than positive comments about him. Now he's dealing with the other side of the coin, and again, that's life. He knows who he is. Kawhi, Kawhi knows that he hasn't changed. Uh, the dynamics of what's going on now and where he'll wind up, uh, uh, the uncertainty, everybody going on every show now talking about things that they really don't know, but things they have to talk about. You have a show to do, right. and you want to you want to talk about what everybody's talking about. Right now, it, it was LeBron, and now it's Kawhi in terms of what's going on. And so I've I've accented all the positive things and. I have not talked to Kawhi a lot, but uh, we've texted back and forth. And I just said, you know, be above the noise and, you know, know who you are. And it'll, you know, it may seem like it is eternity, but it'll, it will, it soon will end. He'll know, we'll know where he's going to be. And uh, uh, I believe his health will be good. And if that's the case, he's going to have a phenomenal a remainder of a professional career. What, what do you think is the best result for him out of all of this? What do I think? What now? What do you think is the best result for him out of, out of this experience? Well, I, I, it, uh, I think, I think Kawhi is, uh, you know, you, you're, you go in eyes wide open, but you find out, uh, again, you find out that this is life. But you also find out that, that those that you thought maybe were were on your side and close friends uh, truly weren't. But you know that those that are there with you right now in the trenches are the are the ones that care the most and the ones that you the ones that you care about the most. And uh, you you know decisions are made, and then you live with decisions on both sides, and that's what's happening right now. You know, decisions will be made. Kawhi will be involved in making a lot of those decisions. And then you make those decisions work for you. And and that's what he will do. I'm confident of that. All right, home stretch with Steve Fisher. A few stick-to-sports questions here on Ballers with Babies. Coach, I want to ask you this. You know, it feels like college basketball is about to go through some sort of seismic shift. You know, rules of draft eligibility, maybe compensation for players. What do you think should happen? Uh, well, I think you're exactly right. Things will change. I don't think they will change quite as quickly and dramatically as uh, some people say, or maybe they should. But change is, is going to happen. And uh, The first thing that, that I believe that should happen is uh, you should not restrict. You should not say, "Well, you can't because you're not old enough." Uh, so I'm, I'm a proponent for, if you're good enough, and somebody wants to pay you, like uh, Bill Gates or like all these 15-year-old tennis prodigies or Tiger Woods, you should have the ability to do it. Whether you're coming out of high school, it should not be a, a factor. I don't think you should have to wait one year, two years, or three years to go. And I, I think that will probably happen, uh, whether it happens uh, in 19 or 20. I think within the next year or so, we'll be back to where kids can, can choose and then you know prove that they're good enough or not be good enough. 
to, to do that. Uh, uh, the compensation piece to it, uh, we've improved on that, Mark. Uh, it used to be kids just got Pell Grants and, you know, every player we had come through our program, we've had had them fill out the form for the Pell Grant. And sometimes you get surprised where kids qualify for some some money that you didn't know that they would. So we've always done that. And now that they're now they've instituted maybe two three years ago a cost of living clause in uh, in uh, every university, and you get extra extra compensation if you're an athlete for the cost of attendance, cost of attendance. Uh, so guys now are getting more money than they've ever gotten. Uh, whether, you know, the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit will lead to other options or opportunities, I don't know. But I, I think we need to first get back to let them come out when they want to come out, uh, continue to provide uh, the type of resources for them. I think, I think they need to be, if you go to college, you need to be, if you're as good as the Division One college athletes are, they need to be taught uh, money management when they walk in the door. They, the things that, that are going to happen in their lives, for, for so many of them, uh, they're not prepared to handle. There's not more of them. You need to help prepare them a little bit for that, but those are handful of things um the movie just came out a couple of weeks ago uncle drew i i saw this chris weber was fantastic in it have you seen it i have not seen it andrew and i went to the movies uh, yesterday and we walked out and we saw the, the, the picture of uncle drew on the wall <laughs> and i said let can you pick out chris i said there's chris you know i'll decked out and made to look old and was right next to Shaq and I have not seen it. I intend to and look forward to it. Yeah, he, it was pretty it he, was Yeah, it, it was really fun. You, it was fun and, and Chris especially, I mean he just he really pulled it off. Is this surprising to you? Did you know that he has any sort of acting chops? No, that doesn't surprise me about about anything any of them do. Chris uh, Chris is charismatic and he's got a smile that uh, will melt uh, melt away any type of, of concerns you might have and he's very smart so uh, you make me want to go see it now I'm happy <laughs> to see it so it does not surprise me at all uh, that's excellent hey uh, so Rob Polinka of course played uh, you know with you at Michigan as well have you spoken to him since the LeBron James news I have not spoken to him Rob uh, He's a good family friend. I, I was an assistant when he was playing at Lake Forest High School, and I was a lead recruiter on him, and he and I are very good friends. Uh, we went to his wedding. Uh, he came to a game this year and watched us when we played Boise State. Uh, they were somewhat interested in Chandler Hutchison, the uh, draftee for the Chicago Bulls, and he brought his young son and sat with Angie and I, and we reminisce then about when Rob played and all the things that have happened in his life, our life. But he's, uh, you know, magic gets all the headlines, but Rob is a, a bio, is an integral, important piece to the continued growth and rebuild for the Lakers. And I'm anxious to watch it unfold. 
Yeah, I, listen, I mean, it's no secret whether it's this year, next year, however it may play out. It's no secret that I, I, I'm sure Rob would love to have uh, Kawhi on the Lakers. I, you know, I know there's a lot going on there. I'll, I'll ask it this way. Is it fair to say that uh, certain execs in the NBA have been using you as a resource at this time? I think they have to be careful what they do. Uh, but I, you know, it's about relationships. Life is. I have right now... Uh, the unique distinction, three NBA executives are either former players or coaches. We made reference to Rob Palenka. Mark Hughes, who I recruited also, played for it, was a captain, one of the captains on the national championship team in 89. He, he was on our staff at San Diego State for a year before he went to with Eric Musselman to the Sacramento Kings. He's now assistant general manager of the Clippers. And Mark and his daughter just graduated from San Diego State. Very, very good family friends. And obviously, he would love to have him also. Sure. <laughs> uh, Scott Perry, who coached with us at Michigan, is the general manager of the New York Knicks. So I've got some ties with not only Rob, but with other strong ties with other uh, decision makers in the NBA. And I would feel very comfortable with. Kawhi in any of those situations. Um, play fantasy basketball real quick. Uh, do you think Kawhi alongside LeBron is enough to dethrone Golden State? Well, <laughs> um, on paper, I'm not so sure. But I, I know the heart of Kawhi. And obviously, LeBron, uh, you don't go to eight straight finals without being special. So he's a catalyst uh, for any team. And we've always had the philosophy that you got to, you know, have the ability to make others feel that they're better than they are. And all of a sudden, that you, you are. You become that. And LeBron has that ability. And Kawhi is a special, special talent. So it would be neat to see that uh, opportunity unfold. Uh, Golden State is a is a phenomenal team right now, and uh, people say, "Well, you know, it can't last," but it's lasted, and it will last a little while longer. Then all of a sudden, somebody else will be there, and it would be nice to to see uh, somebody come up and do what Houston really did this year, challenge them, and uh, and. All of a sudden, then there'll be somebody else we'll be talking about that got a dethroned from their dynasty. But they're good right now. The uh, Warriors are really good. Uh, Steve, this was really good. Thank you so much for doing it. Uh, just, just wonderful to have you. I really, really appreciate it. Marcus, my pleasure. I in, enjoy your work. I feel privileged to be on with you. Continued success to you and yours. Thank you so much, Coach. Thank you.